I'm sure you've run into this before. People have come up to you and said, hey, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, there seems to be some pretty big differences there right. in what's recorded. How do you reconcile those? Yeah, I see there's a beautiful arrangement going on in the book of Genesis. And if you look at it carefully, you'll see, unfortunately, the chapters and verses that we have in our Bibles didn't come till medieval times. Um, so we, it's difficult for people to understand some of the structure of Genesis, just reading on their own, following their English Bibles because they follow the chapters and verses. But those chapters and verses came later, much later after the Bible was actually given to us. If you follow the structure of the book of Genesis, you'll see this phrase that's used 10 times through the book of Genesis, the generations of. And so there really probably are about 10 chapters in the book of Genesis. And so what you have, the first use of it is in Genesis 2-4. So probably what that first chapter is right up through to verse 3 is just a kind of prologue to the entire book. And so when you study carefully the book of Genesis, you see a kind of beautiful structure there, David. So you've got this prologue really in chapter one, where you've got this beautiful overview of creation, where God creates all of the heavens and the earth. It's formless and void, and he forms it and fills it beautifully in those six days of creation. God is the not a local deity, this is, I think, one of the arguments that's being made in the book of Genesis. He's not like all the other deities. He is the creator of absolutely everything. Mm. And then, of course, the creation account pinnacles at the creation of man and woman, right? The human beings. And then what you have in chapter two now is a moving to a more specific focus on that sixth day of creation where God created man and woman. And so I think what you have is going from the general to the specific it's a literary device, and that's what the author of the Pentateuch is doing here. He's moving from this beautiful overview to the more specific focus. Now, some people say there are some contradictions. Mm -hmm. And for the sake of our audience, what do you find those usually to be, Pastor Rick? Two of the ones that are brought up almost immediately are vegetation. Yeah. For instance, it's created on the third day, and then it seems to come after the creation of man and woman in the chapter 2. So, but I think if you look closely, there are actually two different words that are used for vegetation there. The word that's used in chapter one is a different word that's used in chapter two in the Hebrew. And I think it's pretty clear in the basis of the Hebrew that the vegetation that is talked about in chapter two is actually vegetation that comes from cultivation or from farming, if you will. So what you've got is this description of uh, vegetation and, and, and gardening, if you will, growth that comes out of the context of human labor and cultivation. It's, so it's not a contradiction with chapter one. Vegetation was present, just growth of vegetation, and then farming came subsequent after the creation of the man and woman. The second one that's brought up as a contradiction is actually the naming of the animals. And so it appears that, you know, in chapter one, the animals come first and then human beings. And then in chapter two, it, it almost appears that the animals come later. But in fact, if you look at that carefully, the animals were already present. What happens in chapter two is the naming of the animals. So there's no real contradiction there as well. I think basically what you've got is this beautiful structure given overview. God's the creator of everything. 
and God sort of climaxed in his beauty of creation and his goodness by creating man and woman and human beings. And that's because he wants to be in relationship with them. He wants to be in covenant relationship with them. So that's amazing that this great God who created absolutely everything wants to have a relationship with human beings and wants to be intimately connected with them and to love them and to walk with them and to know them. And that's really where chapter two is going after chapter one. Okay. So from your standpoint, it's all historical accurate. There's no, no. poetic genre. I don't genre see that's any contradictions or problems there at all. I think it's, it's in fact, I think the growing sense of scholarship is that it's a beautiful theological presentation of history. 